Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Learner's Corner Podcast. This is a podcast for lifelong learners where we learn from anything and everything. My name is Caleb Mason. Yes, I did forget to say my name there. And my name is Todd Hicksonball, a.k.a. the Todd Father. What are you doing pausing? It's because he's on his phone. <laughs> we have a great episode for you today. Today we are talking with Stu Heineke, and we have a great episode for you today. He recently authored the book, How to Get a Meeting with Anyone. He is a world, or he's a Wall Street journalist, cartoonist. And he lives in the world. He's a Hall of Fame nominated marketer and the co-host of Contact Marketing Radio. So, how's your day, Kate? I'm just kidding. So, this guy wrote this book um, about how to get a meeting with anybody. Um, which is fascinating to me because, as many of you know, if you listen to the podcast, I want to get a meeting with Carrie Newhoff because that's what I want to do. So I was super excited, but Caleb, I wasn't present for this interview, so I didn't get to hear it the way that you heard it. I have to hear it through editing the podcast. So if you don't hear me on this episode, that's because I wasn't there. And it's a really fascinating conversation, and he talks about a way of reaching out to people that um, that I've just never heard of before, and so it's really fascinating. So, Todd, I know that you're going to enjoy it a and lot. You said, once you and you said, to too, that, you, you said too that he he talks about a new method that he's he's been learning. So, yeah, yeah, this is this is this is some exciting it's really stuff. Good. And also, let us know what you're learning about. Let us know what you would like to learn from on the podcast as mm-hmm. well. And the best way that you can do that is through leaving leaving us a rating and writing in a review of the podcast on whatever podcast player you use whether it's apple Podcasts, google play stitcher whatever it might be leave us a rating and write a review of the podcast is the best way that you can help us continue to spread these conversations especially much needed conversations that we talk about here on the podcast and we would appreciate it a ton let us know on social media as well on instagram on twitter at our handles there at learners corner for or at the learners corner for instagram at learners podcast on twitter let us know what you learned from this episode let us know how you're using it or let us know some resources that you're learning from as well and speaking oh of resources oh todd what is your resource of the week my resource of the week is an app um it's an app now some of you who, who know me may, might know that i like to consider myself to be creative and because of that, I'm not the most organized person in the world. That's why I have to have Caleb. That's why I pay him is because he kind of keeps things on track. But I found an app that has been helping me so much. It's called Asana. Now, it's it, Asana, A-S-A-N-A. <clears throat> Basically, it's a project management app. And so it's really cool. So I can put in a project, say, you know, set the date for when this thing is due. And it breaks down for me everything so you can put in deadlines all the deadlines for that specific project the pieces of it it's been helping me a ton and this thing is it's it's very very cool it's changing his life to use it's not changing my life in like a jesus way it's changing my life in like a hey i i can have deadlines and i can keep things organized and i can see it all it's really it's a cool app so you should go check that out that's an app that i'm listening to or that I'm, I'm not listening to. Gosh, I'm not listening to the app. I listen to podcasts. I listen to too many podcasts. I use the app. Okay. So that's our resource of the week. And as we mentioned, we have a great conversation with Stu Heineke that we are going to join right now.
Well, Stu, we're so excited to have you on the Learner's Corner podcast today. Great to be here. Great to to to, um, to join you, Caleb. <laughs> Glad we made the connection. Yeah, you know, just as we get started, you know, one of the, you know, just as we were preparing or as I was preparing for the interview, one of the interesting things that I noticed is that you know you write a book, but you're also a cartoonist for the Wall Street Journal as well. How did how did that happen? Uh, I was going to say, right, it's like a big accident, but actually, it's not. <laughs> um, you know, I've always had this, actually, I'm also a marketer, and, mm-hmm. and I've always had this dual track in my in my career that uh, um, all of my education was in marketing, but, you know, I, got, I would always, you know, I would doodle on desks and as a kid and all this stuff, and, um, you know, I, I just loved cartooning from the very, very start, and so... While I was in college, I was a friend of mine told me about a, a course that he was taking at the U. I was at USC, and he was telling me about this course he was taking in cartooning at um, at UCLA at the Extension School. And I was fascinated to hear what he had to say because they kept bringing in these great speakers, including um, at the time the the cartoon editor of the of the New Yorker and Lee Lorenz was the was the editor then. And it was just it was just amazing to hear what he had to say and. Um, I joined the Cartoonist Guild and started cartooning for, you know, like any, just to just to get cartoonist gigs for any, you know, for ads or something like that, whatever I could do and started submitting work to the LA Herald, I think it was the Herald or Herald Examiner, one of the, one of the big papers in town. Uh, and, and, you know, it just sort of mushroomed from there. I, 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 as a member of the Cartoonist Guild, I, I found out that, um, that, Readership surveys that were done by magazines and newspaper were, newspapers were saying that cartoons were almost always the best remembered, sorry, best read and best remembered parts of the magazines and newspapers. And I thought, well, wow, that's, you know what, the cartoons are an amazing device then that I need to use in marketing. And so really my marketing career and cartooning career just developed in in um, in parallel. And eventually I ended up in the, in the Wall Street Journal. I mean, so to get into the journal, you have to I guess you probably have to be fairly well known yeah. first, <laughs> otherwise yeah. boy, they're not going to let you in. But then um, you've got to submit a lot. Well, you've got to submit good stuff, mm-hmm. and um, and eventually they pick you up. Yeah, well, that's that's really cool. But what we're when we're really excited to talk to you about your book, how to get a meeting with anyone. And so you know, one of, another thing that really just stood out, you know, in your bio, it says that you sent out like twenty four you know, emails to the biggest people in the Manhattan magazine circulation ring. And you got a 100% response rate, which I, I think I think most people would go, that's crazy. How how on earth did that happen? And so how how did that happen? Well, you know, and it sounds like it's, you know, the whole story makes it sound like I'm a UFO uh, a fictionado too, you know. Um, but so here's the thing. So I, I was just mentioning that I wanted to combine combine cartooning and marketing um, and what I really wanted to do was create direct marketing campaigns for publishers when I was uh, when I was when I graduated USC. And so the um, you know I I, my, I was really fortunate because my I got two assignments pretty quickly, one for Rolling Stone and the other for Bon Appetit magazines. And both of these both of these magazines I created mailings. These are test campaigns, and they go out against their control group or their con- really it's their controls. But the the controls just to make sure that's clear in statistics you're always measuring something against a control group in direct marketing you're you're measuring your test campaign against your control group or just short for short control and that control though is the most effective thing they've ever mailed so 
when you're testing, when you're creating campaigns, you're going up against the most effective thing they've ever done, which is pretty tough. It's pretty tough to beat it. Um, if you beat the control, I really, actually, if you tie the control, you've just tied the record for the most effective thing they've ever put in the mail. If you beat it, you just set the new record. And my first two assignments, by the way, using cartoons as the hook into the piece, um, that's, that's, that's a sweet victory, I'll explain. <laughs> but um, using those cartoons, my first two mailings beat their controls. And that was like a rookie walking into, onto the field and hitting, hitting two grand slam home runs. That was a big deal. So I knew that that uh, that was my opportunity to bring the, all I had to do was share this story with the rest of the magazine publishers, the, the people in circulation. And I knew that they would find it really, really interesting and compelling to to test. But anyway, I still had to get through to these uh, to these people. And it, you know, it was about, yeah, you're right. It was about two dozen VPs and directors of circulation or circulate, sorry, circulation or um, consumer marketing that I needed to break through to. And these were, you know, these are VPs at companies like Time Inc. and, um, and Condé Nast and Time Warner and um, Forbes and the Harvard Business Review and the Wall Street Journal and so on. These are not easy people to reach. And I knew that would be that, right? So, so I did, so my, my solution was to come up with a campaign. I didn't know what to call it. I called it a a contact marketing campaign, I just, or actually just a contact campaign. And what the campaign was, was these eight by 10 prints of a cartoon. Each cartoon was personalized to each recipient. That was kind of the thing that I was using in direct mail, the device. And uh, and so that went with a letter that said, dear whoever this is, um, this, this is the device I just used to beat the controls for Rolling Stone and Bon Appetit. And I think we should put this to the test for your titles. <laughs> and um, sent that out. And, you know, the, the weird thing is, there are many weird things about all that. Um, all of the pundits of the day were saying, don't use humor, it doesn't work. <laughs> well, it does. <laughs> and um, and then all, they also used to say that, that you know, 100% response rates were impossible. And it just seemed like everyone kept saying, if you get a 1% response rate to a direct marketing campaign, you're doing really well. And there's really no such number. Uh, there is no number that is the absolute number that if you hit that, you're doing great. But uh, but I, I realized, well, you know, if, if I just sort of use that number for a moment, that if I got a 1% response rate to a campaign to 24 people, that was going to be a disaster. I mean, it's not even a whole person. <laughs> no. Yeah. So, um, so I, and, and even if I got a 10% response rate, you know, that just wasn't going to be good. I wanted to get through to all of them. And so, my aim all along was to hit 100% of them. And, and that's what happened. I, I ended up getting 100% percent response rate. Not only that, but so I got through to all of them, but all of them became clients. So it was 100% conversion rate. This all, this launched my business. It was worth millions of dollars to me. And it all came from a campaign that I spent $100 on. And that's kind of a, that's emblematic of what contact marketing is all about, which is what I wrote about in the book. Yeah. And, you know, speaking of the book, I, I absolutely love the title of it, you know, how to get a meeting with anyone. And I think that that in itself, it just draws people in. And so can you just kind of walk us through what your process looks or what your process looks like for getting a meeting with people that you don't know? Well, yeah, you know, um, I, you know, it started out that that uh, well, first, you know, I just told you how it started yeah. out <laughs> with the, the, the marketing campaign I sent yeah. to the publishers. What was interesting is I thought, well, holy cow, that that really worked well. I've got to try, 
I'm going to try sending this. To, I, I want to know how far can this go? Who can, I, who can I reach with this? And I ended up reaching presidents and prime ministers and celebrities and just really countless CEOs, C-level executives and top decision makers, which was, mm-hmm. that was pretty amazing. Oh, yeah. Um, and and so and and what I was doing was sending cartoons and these cartoons um, kind of it just you know it, it sort of evolved. What it what it is today is uh, I, have, I have a campaign device that I use that I call a big board and it's an 18 by 24 inch quarter inch thick foam core board that um, has a cartoon about the recipient on one side and on the other side there's a you know there's a branding actually it's kind of like a giant postcard. So there's there's the the brand the client's brand or sender's brand, there's a message from the sender to the recipient explaining why they're reaching out and what comes next. And essentially, they're asking for a meeting. Um, and that goes out in this packaging that's um, that sort of, it looks like it came from a uh, um, from a gallery. And so it has, it's corrugated cardboard and it has all this cartoon art all over it. And, um, and so when this thing arrives, it, it, it does, I mean, People are not going to ignore it, and they're not going to miss it either. Mm-hmm. It's just wow, what is this thing? And there's a preamble to this. Often, uh, either if either I'm sending it or or one of my clients' sales reps is sending it, and so they'll say, uh, um, "Hi, my name." And they'll call the, the person's assistant and say, "Hi, my name is so and so, um, and I'm reaching out because I'm sending a print of a cartoon by one of the Wall Street Journals, and it's about your boss." And they're going, "What? Really?" Um, and yeah, so I just want to confirm the details with you. So, so um, by the time this thing arrives, there's already a lot of excitement about it. The, the executive assistant is helping the quarterback, the, the campaign, and it does really, really well. So that's one version of it. But, you know, I, I don't mean to say that contact marketing is just about cartoons. And mm-hmm. so I, I don't know if you have time for it, but I'd love to describe like the, a new campaign that I have running. Yeah. That is multimodal. It starts, okay, good. Because so, you know, a lot of us are using LinkedIn right now to connect. And you make, it's like, it's like drinking from a fire hose, right? Yeah. You just keep connecting and connecting and connecting. And it's, it's almost like, you know, making a connection on LinkedIn right now is about as significant in sort of your personal experience as waving to somebody on the freeway going the other direction. <laughs> no, it's like, oh, hi. No. Yeah. But there are more. There are just this constant stream of people. So the question is, how do you stand out from 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 that? I mean, you yes, you can make connections really quickly, but then you're you're easily and quickly forgotten if you don't do more than that. And I think the key is that you well, there are probably a few keys, but certainly one of them is to bring that conversation off LinkedIn and start having a direct conversation on the phone or meet or something. Mm-hmm. Do more than just wave once on the freeway going the other direction. Yeah. Um, so so my uh, my campaign presently is I have a, a podcast called, it's based on the book. It's called the How to Get a Meeting with Anyone podcast. And it just so happens that the, that the recordings actually, the, the interviews are actually the, the interviews for the next version of the book mm-hmm. or the, the follow-on to the book. So it all kind of fits together. It meshes really well. Um, there's so the, the the podcast releases twice an episode twice a week, and um, and very importantly, when that episode drops, we're we're talking about it on LinkedIn, and so we, we do a post about it. Um, I'm part of an, a, several engagement groups, so we we help support each other's posts so that it gets picked up, and there's a lot of a lot of engagement. So typically, we're seeing, and I, this is really modest actually, but. Typically, we're seeing anywhere from, let's say, 10 to 
25,000 views on our on these posts. Mm-hmm. Um, so then LinkedIn shows me where these views are coming from. And most importantly, which companies are they coming from? Who are the, who, which companies are the most, are, are, it's kind of hard to express, but actually which company has the most engagers? Mm-hmm. And from there, I'm saying, great, I, I know who to reach out to uh, at those companies. And I, I then produce a, a personalized video. It's on the Vidyard um, platform. It's a really cool thing because, you know, I can see how many people are engaging every time I send one of these videos. Um, that's a really good sign. There's also just this gateway. It's when at the end of my video, there's a call to action screen so they can actually set up a meeting with me right then and there. They can connect to my time trade account and set up a, a meeting. And uh, the other, of course, the, the rest of the video is, is saying, though, that I'm, in, I'm inviting them to come to the island I'm on. I'm on a beautiful island uh, just north of Seattle. So come to the island for a weekend strategy session uh, is the invitation. But really, it's I just want to connect with them. So mm-hmm. um, I, I'm also then sending a copy of my book. So there are multiple steps. It's there are all kinds of modes of communication happening. And even though it starts on LinkedIn, it quickly graduates out to the video and email contact and sending a book and and eventually phone contact. Mm -hmm. So another thing, you know, and you talk about this in the book is, you know, doing your homework whenever you're getting ready to meet with somebody. What like what are you like? Where do you go to find out the most information about people? I'm sure part of it's social media and stuff like that. But is there anywhere else? Yeah, you know, um, <laughs> I'm, I'm getting goosebumps right now because <laughs> I just had, well, n- normally I would have said, I would have answered that you, uh, yeah, you use you use social media to to find those things out. Um, you can, there are, there are apps that do scrapes of, so, so web scrapes, I mean, scrapes of the, of their, of the internet, I should say, to find um, relevant facts. Well, what might some of those apps be? Because I've I've never heard of them before. Oh yeah, well, well, um, so God, now what? Um, I'm drawing a blank. That's okay. I'm drawing a blank on that. But here's why I'm drawing a blank: because everything I just this interview this morning changed everything. Yeah. So I interviewed the founder of Seamless.ai. Seamless dot AI. They have produced this AI engine or platform that will do all of that for you, actually. And I mean, it's just, it's just incredible. So you can you can tell it what companies you want to break into and it'll 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 tell you who and you know it, and tell it what 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 responsibilities you're looking for. And it'll tell you not only who to contact, but it'll give you verified direct phone lines, email addresses and um, and, and addresses if you want to send something to them. Wow. And it's then it scrapes the web. And looks for like every data point possible on this person to tell you what they're what they're talking about now. So on LinkedIn, I mean, sorry, I should say on social media, what their interests are, what their trigger events are. All this stuff is gathered for you immediately, and it's it's like you don't have to go out and scrape the yeah. the internet, scrape the web for for these details. You can just sign up for for seamless dot, dot AI. And the, the interesting thing is you can sign up for free. I mean, you can do it for free. Mm-hmm. So I think that's kind of the easy answer. Yeah. You know, just use that yeah. because otherwise you're going to be doing a lot of sleuthing. Mm-hmm. Um, this gives you all those details that you want. Yeah. And we'll, we'll link to um, 
is that podcast already out or is there going to be out? Uh, you know, I just recorded it this morning and okay. actually our podcasts are all the way out into July now. Okay. Um, but I think I think we might bump it up in the in the I'll I'll let you know because okay. Uh, you know, I, it's so important, actually. It, you know, it goes straight to the point you just yeah, asked. Yeah. Well, if you're going to unleash these campaigns that can can produce response rates that are really, I don't mean to say that they always get 100%, but really high, yeah. and high ROI, really crazy, or I should say really crazy metrics, crazy in the sense that they're so high that most marketers will say, oh, come on. Yeah, right. And, and you're going to think this because it sounds like you're, you'd like to report a UFO, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, but but, regardless we'll link to the podcast that way whenever it does come out our listeners can check it out and and i would say it's probably going to come out in a couple of weeks within the next couple of weeks cool the next thing that i want to ask you about is you know a lot of contact marketing is done through email for a lot of people it's done through email and so whenever someone's crafting an email what might be a couple of things that people need to consider in order to like boost their response rate yeah one thing they should consider is that email and LinkedIn are both very crowded channels. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so you might want to also consider not using email but or not relying on email. But yeah. but we'll talk about it, though. I mean, because I, I, I just think one of the things you really should do, be thinking in terms of is if you want to stand out is don't go through crowded channels all the time. Mm-hmm. Right. And crowded channels don't do you many favors. Yeah. And one of the things that the, one of the effects of that is that the person on we all have email. So the person on the other end of these campaigns is going enough, wait, you know, enough already, you know, Mm -hmm. it really gets harder and harder to get their attention and, and break through. But, you know, I would say one, one way is um, what I was just describing part of a part of the campaign I'm using right now, Vidyard, I think is a great tool for, for breaking through. And so in Vidyard or with Vidyard, they also have a free version. So it, it sets up as a widget in your, in your email account, mm-hmm. you can simply turn it on and record a, a quick video um, right there from your desk. And and it seems like one of the best practices is to write the person's name you're reaching out to on a whiteboard, you know, and hold it up. Um, so my, if I was doing it to reach you, I might, there's no whiteboard in my hands. Uh-huh. But, but imagine a whiteboard and it has your name, Caleb, on it. And I would start by saying, hey, Caleb, it's me, Stu. Listen, we've never connected before, but I wanted to reach out to you because I think we should, and here's why. And you know, and you explain it real quickly, and yeah. then you stop the recording, and you, you, it goes, it gets embedded right into the email, and you can tell them in in the subject line, uh, Caleb, an email, I just recorded an email for you, and I'm sorry, I just recorded a video yeah. for you, and but- and I think that will get through. I, I know that. You know, um, one of the guys that I interviewed for my podcast had told me that he was using that that very uh, platform and that sometimes when he walks in, he's getting standing ovations. <laughs> so he walks into the office, the person he reached out to, they're giving him a, an ovation, which I think is pretty darn cool. And, and he sells for Comcast. So it's a big it's a big con- company. And um, but on the other hand, I think it's how do I put it? It's not that it's a commodity, but they have competitors mm-hmm. and they it's easy to get a hold of Comcast if yeah. you want to have a, a sales sales uh, appointment. So, you know, for someone in that position to use a tool and have people clap for him when it comes in is really that's fascinating because oh, yeah. this is his contact. It's, it's his outreach message. And wouldn't don't we all want our outreach outreach messages to be received in that way? Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, that's that's pretty cool. 
So just to make sure I'm following you, you record this video and then you send it via email or do you send it a different way? It's in the email. It gets embedded in the email. So it's right there. That is so cool. I'm going to have to check that out and start. You must check it out. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. You know, and not only that, but then you you start to watch these real-time metrics start adding up. You know, who's watching it and how many times are they watching it? And is it getting passed along? And, you know, if you see see a lot of engagement, probably a good time to call, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Because they're, they're really, they're really enjoying your message. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Yeah. Vidyard's a great one. So I think another piece of, you know, advice most people hear is whenever it comes to reaching out to someone is never take no for an answer. Is that sound advice? And like, why or why not? Well, okay, so that's another really interesting question. And, you know, ordinarily, I would say, I would say, never take no for an answer is a pretty good piece of advice. But sometimes it's not, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes people, there's a difference between persistence and pestering, right? Yeah. So is. a lot of it has, I think a lot of it has to do with, well, what are you, what's the reason you're, why are you reaching out? And why are you reaching out each time? And are you bringing value each time? Mm. Uh, are you bringing something that they can use, something that, you know, they didn't know before? Um, are, are you bringing something that really should make them glad to connect with you? Yeah. And when you're doing that, then I would say, yeah, don't, don't take, well, certainly don't take no for an answer for a while. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but you know, after after a while, um, there I don't know. I, um, I I saw a post. I was sort of in, engaging in a post on LinkedIn recently about a guy who um, called forty seven times before he finally got through. And when he did, the the person on the other side of this said, "Hey, I just want to say thank. I know it's been hard to reach me, and thank you for your follow up. It really means a difference. Makes a difference." Um, but I would like to see that. 47 call cycles shortened down to one or two, you know, <laughs> uh, and we yeah. keep hearing that, you know, it takes eight, I don't know, an average of eight or 11 or whatever the number is now, um, touches before someone, before a connection happens. I would, I, I, my goal is to make it one mm-hmm. and break through. And we, and contact marketing does make that happen. Having said all that, I, I'm working on the next book of the follow on to how to get a meeting with anyone right now. And, and, and one of the things I'm, I'm really deeply in the throes of is interviewing sales thought leaders on the subject of persistence, on the subject of not giving up, or, or let's say, what's the nature of persistence? How important is it? It's very important. How do you use it? How, when, when is it? When is it? Um, when does it make sense not to do it? And in fact, by not doing it, by by shutting that effort down, how does that, in fact, actually, you know, cultivate more contacts anyway? Mm-hmm. And and what was interesting, a few things, a few interesting things have come out of those those talks. Certainly, one of them though is, you know, at, at some point you might want to start shutting your your effort down because they're wasting your time too, you yeah. Know? And your time is worth something, and you need to value that. So, uh, so you know, several of the thought leaders have, have suggested that, you know, why don't you if you're if you you know if you put enough enough uh, calls out or emails out and they're still not responding, you might end with with one, send one out that says, hey, listen, I've reached out to you several times. Um, and, you know, I, I mean, I was I, I was doing that because our mutual friend suggested we do that mm-hmm. uh, or sent out an, an invitation to to connect. And, and I'm, I'm just honoring that. But um, listen, if if the if the reason for his suggestion that we meet or whatever this reason is but if the reason for my reaching out 
isn't something that is resonating with you, um, I sure would appreciate it if you just let me know and I'll stop. I'll stop calling. Or or you might just say, look, uh, this is going to be my last call, but you can reach out to me. Uh, but otherwise, I'm moving on to other clients with other people who are this just isn't a, a this isn't a uh, an effective use of my time to keep calling if you're not interested. And so um, let me know. Mm-hmm. And um, as as um, uh, as Tibor Shanto told me, uh, people like to have what or people want what they can't have. And so sometimes when you turn it around and say, well, you can't have this now, then you know, maybe maybe there's another time you can have it. But right now you can't have it mm-hmm. um, that it causes them to, to spring to action finally. And I don't know. I mean, there I, I have a favorite cartoon I send when someone isn't responding to a to a proposal, which shows a guy he's you know he's cradling the phone on his shoulder and he's leafing through some papers and he's at his desk and he's saying um, he isn't saying um but he's saying hey, listen I got your proposal and we love everything except having to pay you <laughs> you know I'll send a print of that and and a note saying hey sorry it didn't work out this time maybe next time and even that that tends to cause people to act. Mm-hmm. So don't, it's not, it's not pure um, gospel. It's not, it's not never, never, never take no for an answer, but do realize that if you keep reaching out, you, you should be bringing value each time. It should be a good reason. It shouldn't be just, Hey, I'm just checking in again, because mm-hmm. that is being a pest. Yeah. But if you're saying, Hey, I wonder if you, you, I wonder if you saw this article or, Hey, you know, I just got back from this show. I don't know if you, if you went there. I, I didn't see you there. Uh, but yeah, I, I wrote out some notes from the show. Would you be interested in seeing these? Something like that. I mean, the convention, whatever it is, something like that continues to bring value. And I think that's that's a good reason to keep reaching out until you feel that it's not worth your time and and do value your time in this equation. Yeah. So I want to paint a scenario for you and then kind of get your advice on it. So let's sure. say that, you know, I've done I've done the contact marketing. I've got the meeting with the person that. I want to meet with and I'm preparing to meet with them. What advice would you give to me or to the person of saying, Hey, consider these types of things. And it might help you get a second meeting with this person. Well, you know, I mean, the, the reason for, for taking any meetings is that it's something of value. I mean, it's, it's something of value. So, you know, on the one hand, certainly part of, part of the answer has to be take a good look at what you're offering. <laughs> you know, it better be worth their time and it better be relevant. Yeah. Um, um, and if it is, uh, and you're connecting with them personally and so forth, I mean, I, you know, I would say the, the thing you should be doing really is to say at the meeting, well, what, how does this fit for you? Is this a good fit? I mean, now I'm talking, this is at the end of the meeting. There's a lot that would go into these meetings. But mm-hmm. but at the end of the meeting, I, I certainly would be asking, how is, does it, do you see this as a fit? And should we, should we go further? And if we, if we should, what, what are our next steps? And when should we connect again? And actually put it in your calendars. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a pretty good way of, of ensuring that there's a second, second conversation, or at least yeah. finding out whether there should be a second conversation. Mm-hmm. So before we dive into um, a couple of questions that we love to ask every guest, Stu, is there anything else, any other advice that you would give to anyone as it concerns to get in a meeting with somebody? Yeah. You know, people have used pigeons to get through <laughs> and they've used, um, you know, they've used cartoons. I do it. Mm-hmm. Um, they've used um, um, all kinds of sent, they've sent swords and 
blocks of wood and uh, crazy things to break through to people. Um, ultimately, you want the person at the other end of, of the of this campaign to be saying, "I love the way you think." And if you succeed in getting them to to, to feel that way about you, then you've opened the door to a, a brand new relationship. And if you're if you've targeted people who can make a big difference in your life, let's say to the scale of make a big difference in terms of the scale of your your career or your business, but certainly your life through either of those, um, then you really want them to do whatever it is it takes to have them say, man, I love the way you think. We got to connect. Mm -hmm. And if you do that, you've, you've won the battle. Yeah. Okay. So here's a couple of questions that we always love to ask people. What's one thing that is helping you right now, either personally or professionally? You mean besides contact marketing? <laughs> <laughs> Just one thing that's helping you right now, personally or professionally? You know, someone, I, I keep link, linking these back to posts on LinkedIn. Someone, someone wrote, hey, you know, your, your life is a product of your choices. Mm. And um, evidently, I've been making some great choices. The thing is, we don't, a lot of things happen and we, we have no control over them. Yeah. Um, and you can get knocked flat. And I did. I was. But... Um, but there are choices that I look back on that I realize those were the right choices. Man, they were. It was really good that I stuck with it, and that I I, um, I valued what those choices were, and and you know they just have a cumulative effect. I'm living on an island that I just love, and I I'm I have this crazy story about how I met my wife. And I, I saw her in a magazine and flew to Copenhagen to meet her. And I'm glad I did that. It was a crazy thing. But, I, you know, I'm so glad that I just believed in my choices. And I, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to, I knew I needed to write a book about how to get a meeting with, with people. And I'm so glad to have done that. That's, you know, um, you write books, you don't write books to make money because, you know, you'll, you'll make coffee money. <laughs> That's actually better than that. But, you know, you don't, you're not, you're not going to get rich writing books generally. Um, you might get wealthy from the things on the back end, but you know, it's not that. And that's really you know, it's, it's really, you do it to, to share something important with people that, it, I mean, that's important to their lives. And so hearing from people who've read the book and they've changed their lives, they've changed their, their, um, their results. And I'm now hearing from company founders who are saying, look, we, we hand our, our book, your book out to everybody on the team and we're using your book. That's how we're growing our business. I'm just saying, wow, yeah. that's just incredible. So all of these, all of this inures to these choices we make in life. And I just, you know, make make outrageous choices and stick with them. Mm -hmm. I think that must be it. Okay, I gotta ask if if you're willing to share, tell us the story about seeing your wife in a magazine. You know, if she's in the other room, she's gonna be saying, "Oh my God, did you tell that story again?" <laughs> um, well, it's a long story. I'll, I'll shorten it a lot. But um, when I have to admit that. You know, I, the way I got started with cartooning um, was when when my brothers and I were, you know, when we were kids, we used to sneak Playboys out of my father's dresser drawers. Mm -hmm. I don't know if your audience is going to like that. <laughs> but anyway, we were kids. And and I, I got really excited about the cartoons, but I also got really excited about um, the beautiful yeah. women in the magazine. And, and particularly, the, the you know, I guess it's that and and. James Bond films and Agua Velba commercials or something, I don't know. I realized that I really, really liked those blonde Scandinavian women. I just thought they were just stunning. 
And in fact, they are. It's yeah. actually true, they are. <laughs> but, and and at some point, um, it became, a, like in high school, it became a, this fantasy. What if I went to one of those countries and spent a couple of months there and, you know, just kind of met people and brought, brought someone like that home? Wouldn't that be amazing? Mm-hmm. Oh my God, what a great adventure that would be. And then, you know, fast forward a few more, a dozen more years, and then I had my office in Beverly Hills, and uh, things were going great. This was that, that business that I started from sending those those contact campaigns to the 24 people in publishing, and that got me to I, now I had an office in Beverly Hills and a little team, and and I thought, okay, what's next? I know I'm going to make a film about that that fantasy of mine in high school, and so I hired the screenwriter who wrote the original Pink Panther screenplay. He was, he was a uh, and, uh, he was an Oscar-winning screen uh, writer, and we worked out a story treatment. And then I was, uh, you know, I was still a couple of months. I, I, and I booked a trip to uh, to um, Stockholm to, to just to go there with my video camera to get footage of the place and the people. And I, I didn't know whether I had imagined it correctly or not, so I wanted to go there. And about a month before I was set to go, I was looking at this magazine. I thought, Oh my God! I saw this one picture, and I said. If if I was going on this fantasy for real, this is the woman I would bring home. Uh-huh. And so I wrote to the magazine real quickly and uh, um, told the story. And, and they wrote back and said, well, her name is Charlotte. She lives in Copenhagen. We don't know if she speaks a word of English. Mm-hmm. Here's her photographer's, photographer's, uh, her photographer's name and number. Good luck. And so I got in touch and he put us in touch. And I changed my bookings to Copenhagen. And, and that was kind of how it happened. Yeah. Wow. That's an incredible story. Just, you know, your typical story. <laughs> yeah, that's how most love stories end up. <laughs> you know, think about when we were just talking about choices a moment ago and believing in them. Mm-hmm. What right, what business did I have seeing a picture of, of a beautiful model in a magazine thinking, well, I got to go there and meet her mm-hmm. because I'm going on this fantasy for real now. Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty, I look back on it and think, well, how could I possibly believe that would work out? Mm-hmm. But I think sometimes there's this, I don't know, there's this sort of divine intervention in our lives, and you just got to listen to it and go. When it's there, go do something with it. Yeah. Yeah. So the next question is, how do you learn best? When you're trying to learn something, how do you go about it? You know, oddly enough, it seems a a lot of time it's things that I end up teaching myself. And I don't know how that happens, actually. Mm-hmm. I mean, how do you teach something you didn't know to yourself? <laughs> Where did that come from? But but here's how you do it. You just investigate it. You, you're just always curious and always, I guess I always believe in you can do it, but always curious and always looking, just, just, con- just consuming as much information as you can about it. Mm-hmm. And eventually you end up, you do end up teaching yourself how to do it. Yeah. Okay, if you could have everyone learn one thing, what would it be? Um, I would say, you know, the thing that always gets me motivated, you can probably tell from these stories, when someone says something's impossible, that's when I get excited. Mm-hmm. And I think that's when you should get excited. Because when, when someone says doing particularly something you want to do, and someone says, oh, forget it, that's impossible. Like, you know, you shouldn't go... You shouldn't go meet the woman, a woman. How are you going to meet a woman that you saw a picture of yeah. and go halfway around the world? That, that's impossible. And those are the things that get me really excited. And I think those are the things that get should get all of us excited. Those things that we think or other, other, others think are impossible probably aren't. Mm-hmm. And you ought to go do it because, yeah. you know, you'll, you'll find some of the richest, 
some of the richest rewards in life by doing something that you know is possible, but everyone else thinks it's, it is impossible. Mm-hmm. And then the final question is, what are you learning right now? That I, uh, these are questions I hadn't <laughs> expected. <laughs> be open to these questions, be open to whatever comes up. I suppose. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, it is be open. Be open because there are all these things unfolding before before you in your life. They're all right there. And and it's just all kinds of richness. Yeah. I guess that would be it. Well, Stu, we've had a great time having you on the podcast today. If people want to continue to learn from you and purchase the book, where's the best place for them to do that? Well, uh, the book is available everywhere, I mean, ex- except the airport. I think. <laughs> but... <laughs> but um, but on, on Amazon and uh, Barnes and Noble, you can walk in and find it or, or go to bnn.com. Um, you can contact. It's really easy to contact me. It's You can you can find me on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. It's just Stu Heineck, H-E-I-N-E-C-K-E. Um, but do more than just wave to me on your yeah. way <laughs> on the freeway. <laughs> yep. Well, Stu, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast today. It was, uh, it was a pleasure. Thanks so much for having me on. Caleb, I love to hear your amazing voice. What is a takeaway that you have from this episode? I think one of my biggest takeaways is just finding a unique way to reach out to people, which is really what Stu talked about with sending stuff via videos and emails or in person, you know, personal touches, stuff like that. But just finding a unique way that sets you apart from everyone else and intrigues other people to want to reach back out to you. And so I would just say that that's my big takeaway from this conversation. Love it. So this was a great episode. The best way to make sure that you don't miss our next episode. Subscribe. Is by subscribing to to our podcast (laughs) on whatever podcast player you use. And next episode, we're talking Uh with Sarah Bragg. Who's Sarah Bragg? Sarah Bragg is an author. She is a speaker. She has her own podcast called The Surviving Sarah which Podcast. Which is phenomenal. Which is very, very, very good. She's been in ministry for multiple years. We talk with her about being a woman in ministry, some of the challenges that she has experienced with that, along with a multitude of other things as well. And so, like we said, the best way to make sure you don't miss that episode is by subscribing. Let us know how we're what you're learning about from this episode. Let us know how you're using the stuff that Stu talked about. It is up on social media. media. Exactly. Do it. So thanks so much for listening to today's podcast. My name is Caleb Mason. My name is Todd Hixenbaugh. And until next time, keep learning and keep growing. Deuces, y'all.